IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. We are moving on. We're talking about nutrition. And uh, I'm really going to be focusing with our guest today, you know, the kind of foods we should be eating to prevent cancers, if that's possible, the kind of foods, if we're going through healing treatments and the kind of nutrition post-treatment. Um, and I have Ami Naidu, who is a registered dietitian and a co-founder of Nutrition Wellness Dietitians um, on the line today. Ami, welcome and thank you so very much for joining us. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me on. And it's a very good afternoon to your listeners as well. So, Ami, let's start off with the most obvious question. I mean, what is the the link between diet and cancer? Is there a link? Yes, no, definitely there is a link. So when you're looking at the risk for cancer cell development, there's two factors. You get the modifiable and the unmodifiable. The, the modifiable is your diet and lifestyle, and that attributes up to 70% of your risk for developing cancer. So mm-hmm. to your listeners out there that don't have cancer at the moment, know that their diet and lifestyle can also play a large role in predicting whether they will or will not develop cancer later on in life. Wow. Okay. We've just had someone who was talking so much about stress and what stress does. So when you're talking about lifestyle, um, are you talking about stress and the impact that stress has as well? Yes, stress, but also, you know, the type of lifestyle. The South African population is known to have a very sedentary lifestyle. When you compare us to other populations, you know, the cycling to work and walking late at night is something that we don't usually do. You know, we're very much in our automobiles going from point to point. So definitely, I think the physical activity component of of lifestyle is is something that's underemphasized on a daily basis. So when you look at when you look at lifestyle and you think of, you know, being South African, as you say, we're more in our cars, it is more of a sedentary lifestyle. It would if someone had to allocate time to just exercising in the morning and the evening, is that is that sufficient? Or are you talking about really being active and eating the right foods like throughout the day? If you're sitting in so, front of the computer getting up. So the research shows from a Harvard study that you know all you need is 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise with your heart rate being moderately increased. So nobody's asking, you know, the patient to run a triathlon, but, you know, if their heart rate is moderately increased, that can have favorable benefits on their health in the long term. Okay. Well, that's good. I can deal with the 30 minutes. Um, Ami, so let's look at if there is this link between diet and cancer. So we're looking at the role that nutrition can play. What kind of food, people listening right now, what kind of food should they be avoiding and what should they be consuming more of? Okay. So if we're looking at it, it's essential though, just to take a step back and understand carcinogenesis, which basically means the cancer cell development. And this normally starts from oxidative damage to the cell. So on one end, you got your cell that's almost releasing these these toxins, these oxidative reactants. And then once that settles, that then starts the cancer cell process in the body. So if you're looking at it, you have certain foods that help to reduce oxidative damage. So those are high in antioxidants. So that reduces your antioxidant, uh, reduces your oxidative species can then reduce your risk for cancer. And on the flip side, we also have some foods that worsen the oxidative damage and worsen inflammation in the body, and that's going to worsen your risk for cancer. So just to know that the foods you eat can either increase or decrease your risk. So if you're looking at which foods, uh, sorry, your question was which foods increase the risk. Yeah. Okay, so the, the number one thing is red meat 
and specifically processed meat. Studies have shown having as little as 50 grams a day of processed meat. So that's things like your ham, bacon, salami, uh, and, and various others can actually increase your risk for colon cancer by up to 20 to 30 percent by just consuming. And if you think of a lot of lunchbox ideas, you know, a lot of the cold meats and those kind of things are, are easy options to include in your diet. So if you look at it, processed meats as well as red meat, when we're looking at Sorry, Ami, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to press pause for a moment because you spoke about the cold meat. Is, is cold meat, um, say if you've got like rare roast beef, for example, is that the same as salami or sausages? So look, yeah. So if you're looking at it, the cold meat, anything that's cured, there's a process of where the, the sulfite production in it increases. Uh-huh. And the sulfite is, is the problem that's linked to cancer cell development. Oh, I see. Okay. I see. Sorry about the interruption. Please so carry like on. The process. So when we say cold meat, we're meaning not the ones you, you've, you've shaved and made it at your home, but actual cold meat that's been bought in a, in a grocery store. Yes. That, that you, as you say, it's gone through that process and it has the sulfite. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. So what, what other foods, if you don't mind? Okay. So just on that red meat option, uh, just to remember that when we look at, even in our practice, when we look at patients, the South African population is known to have a high intake of red meat compared to other populations. But what specifically is quite dangerous is that we have red meat cooked at a very high temperature. If you look at the weekend braai, and that's mm. where carcinogenesis definitely increases. And we have these molecules that almost mutate, and this then can increase the risk for cancer development. So just to recap, red meat and processed meats definitely increase your risk. Also, having a very high fat intake, uh, what's, what it has been shown is that a high-fat diet has been linked, so specifically saturated fats. So if you're thinking not your healthy fats like your olive oils and avocados and you know all the, the nuts and all of those things, it's mm-hmm. more your saturated fats, so oily foods, fast foods. Those have been implicated in reducing your immune function and increasing your cancer risk. And then the last item is having a high GI diet. So lots of sugar, lots of sweets. What it's actually shown is that this then increases your risk for cancer cell development. Sure. I mean, we're going to take a quick break. Please stay with us. We're going to continue this fascinating discussion. Thank you. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. I have uh, Ami Naidu on the show today, a registered dietitian and co-founder of Nutrition Wellness Dietitians um, from the University of KwaZulu-Natal. He's been in practice for a period of 13 years and he has worked within the government sector and then moved into the pharmaceutical industry and his key focus is on diabetes and diabetes products. Um, Ami has just been outlining the high-risk foods that we eat, the links to cancer being red meat, processed meat, high fat intake and high GI diets, which is sugars. And Ami, I said, you know, what kind of food can we look at that can support our bodies? And you spoke about this oxidative process and can heal the damage of the of this process. And what foods are so can, can heal and, and help with that? So when we're looking at a diet that's high in antioxidants, we, we normally need lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, mm-hmm. but more specifically, the brighter the color of the fruit or vegetable, the higher the antioxidant content. So when I talk to patients, I normally try and say, try and make your plate as colorful as possible if you're trying to reduce your risk for cancer. Wow. What's also been linked is uh, cruciferous vegetables. So these are things like your broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower. 
there is research showing that having excess of this or having a fair amount of this in your diet has been linked to lowering your risk for certain types of cancers. And then the next thing would be having a low GI diet. It's exactly for what we said earlier, where when you're having a lot of sugar or a high GI diet, your body releases insulin and your degree of inflammation that exists starts to increase. So the converse happens now when you have a low GI diet with a lot of fiber, it tends to then reduce your inflammation and reduce your oxidative damage that's happening in the body. Okay, so that makes perfect sense. I'm just going to repeat that. So you're looking, as you've said, and I love that, we just have a colorful plate, lots of vegetables, fruits. You've said the brighter it is, the higher it is in these antioxidants. Cruciferous um, vegetables are very good and looking at a low GI diet. Thank you, Omi. Thank you for outlining that. Just very quickly, for those people who are going through treatment, you know, you need to fuel your body, although certain treatments um, can make you feel nauseous. Um, can bring about dehydration, which really work against wanting to eat the right kind of food. What are your recommendations, Ami? Okay, so just to remember, though, uh, with with your protein, even though we're saying you, you're trying to avoid red meat, you definitely can have a lot more fish, chicken, okay. and then your plant-based protein. So it's definitely important to include that. The reason I say that is that when you have cancer, one of the biggest nutritional problems you have is malnutrition. And if you have a poor nutritional status, it's linked to you having a worse outcome with cancer, meaning that your mortality risk increases. So we know that cancer is catabolic, which means that having a cancer in your body increases your energy, your protein, your micronutrient requirements. That's why the nutrition is very important. As you've said, on the flip side, we've got the side effects of cancer being a loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. So on one end, you've got, you need more and you're taking in less. So for those patients, it's important that they should consider maybe a meal replacement. So I often find our patients like a supplement, we mix it, it's a powder mixed with water, and that contains an entire meal's worth of nutrients. They consume that and that's easier on the gut. And then also, if you're looking at it, definitely avoiding red meat, as we said, and all the other items where we talked about that increased oxidative damage, definitely cutting out. And what you want to make sure you do is have a high protein diet. So when we're talking about proteins, remember beans, peas, lentils, chicken, fish, and then the colorful fruit and vegetable. As long as you can follow those kind of guidance, as well as trying to connect yourself with a nutritional professional who can support you through this journey, because it's not only your weight we look at, but also your muscle percentage and fat percentage. Hmm. We're going to take another another break, Omi. So, um, and then I just want to talk about looking at diet once treatment is over. Does diet shift at all? So, quick break. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. Welcome back. I'm speaking to Omi Naidu, who's a registered dietitian and co-founder of Nutrition Wellness Dietitians. Um, Omi was stressing the importance of correct nutrition during cancer treatment, that malnutrition is a real problem. You may not want to be eating, but if you work closely with a nutritionist, a dietitian um, who can support you, um, eating the correct foods um, makes a huge difference. Um, so Omi, just one last question, and that is once you've gone through the treatment, does your diet have to change or do you go back to the kind of food you recommended the food to avoid and the right food to eat in, in with that link between cancer and food 
think it would definitely you know depend on the on the patient's situation i have some patients who go uh-huh. through treatment and don't lose any weight or lose very little weight and i have others that have long term effects of the treatment you know where they still have taste changes and are unable to consume enough calories mhm mhm so so you you would recommend that through this process it's not just oh well i'm going to eat what i feel like that, you, that actually you should be working through a nutrition with a nutritionist during the treatment and post treatment just in terms of your energy levels how you feeling and how how you're coping work with someone in the know absolutely and also it's important that when a person has cancer you know they classified as being in remission thereafter and yeah. having a, a the incorrect diet could then tip you over to then having a reoccurrence of another type of cancer right okay so that's important ami thank you very much for that and thank you very much for for joining us today and for giving us such clear instruction we always love clear instructions we love to know where to go and and what to do so we appreciate your time thank you very much thanks for having me on take care thanks bye bye